0: Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast after party of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path number 52. Woohoo! So, uh, this after party is covering episodes 154, 155, and 156.
1: The beginning of hmm. book five.
0: Yes, beginning with book five. Starting in episode 154 was the Great Sothis Expedition, where we yes. went and bought stuff and. Uh, Got up to some hijinks. I don't actually remember um, what all... I remember we went into the beetle. <laughs> that was the important part.
1: It was fun. I That's like the Jordan's posting and It's like, I don't remember what happened to this episode, but sure.
2: We chilled <laughs> there for what? Like 10 or 11 10 days? Di-
1: yeah, like
0: 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 and a half days. Yeah.
2: It was about 10 days. Yeah. We did wait in line and got into the shell of the beetle and went to the really cool museum. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that room. Hollis
3: and Citra went out to, like, bars every night and just had a good time.
2: <laughs> we made a harness with a leash for Narmer so he wouldn't wander away in the giant city.
3: Yeah, I just carried him around like he was, you know, like a balloon. And Sudi
0: went to the Temple of Ferasma and was like, Hey, guys, have you guys seen Septi? I'm here from this other th- church. And they were like, nope. <laughs> and it was like a nope. suspicious note.
1: <laughs> yeah, so obviously... um, not in the book. In fact, Mummy's Mass never takes you to Sothis. Mm. No problem telling you that.
0: That's the problem with teleportation is when you can just be like, "And we're going off script.
1: Well, it's not really necessarily a problem with teleportation. And considering the fact that Mummy's mass doesn't really account for the fact that the party may need to buy and sell gear more than what the city of Tefu, at best could manage mm. for you. Yeah, uh, It works pretty well allowing you to go further up north. So it gave you guys a good opportunity to actually really upgrade your gear, which is something that I think all of you have been needing to do for some time, except for Masiko, who's mostly been doing it herself.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. yeah.
0: It's still been like a book and a half since we actually went back to a town and could do like huge purchases. So,
1: Yeah. And it let me talk a little bit about Sothis, which is such a important part of the nation of Osirian obviously being its capital, but is also a place full of so much history.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was fun.
1: Yeah. Getting to delve into that a little bit and and hit on a couple of the larger locations there.
4: That's true.
0: Yep. So so here's a here's a question for behind the scenes, Rick. Whenever I went and asked about uh if Sebdi had made it to Sothis and they told me no, was that just you not wanting to answer me or was there like thought behind why they would be like
1: no well septi's entire reason for leaving wati and traveling north was that anyone just watching the city of wati would assume that especially if she was leaving the city suddenly and under guard that she was in possession of the mask if they were aware of the mask again she did all of that to run interference for all of you so that you could travel to tefu unmolested and so when she left she left under false pretenses and obviously when she made her way to Sothis then they would have known that she was traveling incognito for a reason yeah. so obviously when another random person showed up even another random person claiming to be a member of the voices of the spire
2: it's not like you have an official FBI ID card or something that's fair yeah I didn't have yeah.
1: magic flash you're like I'm so legit uh-huh. I figured that someone would try to follow up on the whole Septi angle because she is the only other person that you've run into that may or may not be in Sothis. Mind you it took her a couple of weeks to get to Sothis and then she turned around and went back to Wati because mm-hmm. it was still, the city was still recovering and trying to reinter all those bodies.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. So she had things to go take care of herself but it bought all of you enough time to spend the, god I think you were in Tefu for like three weeks or something.
4: Mm-hmm. Almost So.
1: So yeah, that was kind of my thought process behind it. They don't necessarily know you, or if they should trust you, or if it's just someone that looks like. Suti I mean, it's not like she was like.
0: By the way, if a one-eyed catfolk comes by, tell them what's up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and for all you know, they might have just been like, he's wearing a really funny hat. That could be a hat of disguise. Hmm. Mm. It is true. This could just be three halflings on top of each other's shoulders.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Eye patches and. uh Ancient Osiriani headdresses are going to be all the rage next season. You just watch.
1: Yep. Next season a Mommy's Mask. <laughs>
0: uh, we also got some Hollis backstory. Just a itty bitty yeah. teaser. Since you teleported us into the chicken farm where you found sugar, I guess.
4: Yeah. Hollis woke up from being dead and sugar was there.
0: There's a whole question about, so why were you dead? That I think we skipped.
4: Hollis doesn't know why she's dead. I can't well, remember.
0: She's not dead I think, anymore.
3: I feel like your <laughs> asked, and you said that's a story for another time, or something along those lines, or maybe I'm just remembering it wrong. I don't know.
0: It was a deflection, is what it was. Uh, but that does uh, bring us to the end of that episode, where we got a message from Tetmanib.
2: You're g- you're not that... gonna mention that you saw on Hurit that you guys got a visit from your oh, old bird
0: right. friend. Oh, that's right, we did see on Hurit. Oh. We, oh, all we all had did. a
2: weird mom and offer cameo.
0: And the, yeah, and the sure. weird mom and offra cameo, and like is. Onurus, a risen guard, like. Are we gonna knows? have to
4: come and like re-kill Anyuris so he doesn't have to be a risen guard for the Ruby Pharaoh? Or yeah, the Ruby he Prince. fucking <laughs> hates Ruby the Pharaoh. Ruby Prince. I so, know, like <laughs> it would be super rude. Yeah, onurus would not like this, so
0: it's also weird that on went all the way out to tell um to tell Tetesura, Hey, my boy's dead, and then flew all the way to Sothis to be with Mama Nafra
3: think about it this way boy's had a hard life I mean he's got the messed up eye he's been through the ringer and you know now his person is gone why friend, not go live at the freaking pharaoh's palace with mom <laughs> and opera you know he is spoiled rotten hurt what? is living it
1: yeah, the one thing I forgot to mention is on her it's put on about seven or eight pounds which yeah. is a lot for a bird.
4: He's right <laughs> Just Just a bird. Maybe that explains why he didn't even visit his girlfriend Sugar.
0: <laughs> I know, true. that was rude.
4: <laughs> He's like, I don't want her seeing me all
2: chubby-like, which is like, <laughs> she would love you no matter what. He might not have known you guys were in the city until he saw you guys at the Temple of Horus, though.
0: I know, but then he could have known. Mm-hmm. He needs to go look for that chicken.
1: He's back in the Pharaoh's Palace doing sit-ups.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we get done with book six Hollis goes back to Sothis and he's just like hi
1: I didn't, want, I didn't want her to know that I've been stress eating ever since we separated
5: <laughs> oh, <laughs> poor I yeah.
1: know uh, uh, that, that single handedly I love Falto and Citra, but that single-handedly was the greatest romance of Mummy's Mask. Uh,
0: obviously. OTP. <laughs> 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 I don't
1: know. We'll get to my my new favorite one as we carry that's on. That's not here.
0: a
3: romance. Me... That's a friendship. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a BFFs situation. I guess that's true,
1: yeah. But yeah, so there was a there was a little teaser there at the end. Who knows?
0: Yeah. Okay. But uh, that episode ended Maybe with I us did. getting the message from Tetmanib that a flying pyramid appeared in Wati and, like, did some cool light shows, and demanded to see the doorkeepers. I don't
3: like uh, it that you're was a calling cool the, light, show. Um, yeah, I mean, light Yeah, show. Te- the
2: necromatic lasers light show.
1: Technically, it'd be a squid. dark show, because it was shooting oh, yeah, beams yes, of darkness.
2: Fair. And no one was high enough, and Led Zeppelin wasn't playing for that crap. So,
0: you know. <laughs> I mean, it could have been. Goodness. So, uh, bringing us to episode 155, we teleported to Wati.
4: Well, we tried.
0: Well, we missed it <laughs> once, and then <laughs> the first we... time
4: that Hollis has missed that. <laughs> first
0: time. Fortunately, you
1: you rolled very low for how far you scattered. Mm. Yeah, you yeah, didn't like no.
0: end up in the ocean or something. So That'd because be I
1: believe far. you scatter a, a percentage number of miles or something like that, equal to the distance that you traveled. And I think you rolled yeah. like 4% or something ridiculously low where it's like, oh, Yay. yeah. You guys could have honestly walked back to the town within an hour or so instead of having to use we, another teleport to get back.
3: We mm-hmm. were in a rush. There Locking is a suckers. giant pyramid floating above Wati. It's true.
0: <laughs> yeah. No Plus, time I to waste. Like, I feel like internally, uh, you know, we get some bonus points for dropping everything and teleporting back without like, you know, the normal means of like waiting... How many weeks it takes three weeks I think is what you said for 70s yeah, so the like book three weeks assumes, uh,
1: where is it the method by which the PCs use to return to Wati is left to them if they lack access to teleportation shadow walk or other fast fast methods of travel they may be forced to travel over- overland from the sightless sphinx via the overland travel don't penalize the PCs if they have no means by which to quickly reach Wati but if they take too long to return to Wati by wasting time or dwaddling they may find that significant portions of the city have been destroyed mm as Iskatim Habet vents her mounting impatience at their tardiness.
0: Mm. Hopefully that's all on it's the, like, the all dead side goodness. of the city, right?
1: <laughs> Who knows?
3: Well, I'm gonna matter, be really excited, not gonna lie, if like we take her down and then we get to like control the We're pyramid, gonna pyramid and we get to y'all. just fly
4: around, like it's gonna be awesome.
0: I guarantee you there's gonna be some method to make sure we don't get to do no, that. No, you take
4: the pyramid down to the slave trenches and that's book six. Pyramid fight in the sky. Whew.
0: I mean, I, it would be interesting only because I'd I'd love to see the rules for how to do a pyramid fight in the sky. Mm-hmm. Maybe in some starship in some star combat
4: rules, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good.
0: But uh, yeah, so we had we had gotten to you know come back to the city, meet some of our old friends uh, Tetmanib, Sebti, and Shepis Yeah.
2: Who's still
4: grumpy?
1: I mean, but, but it's we Shepis. could totally
4: beat him up now. I'd, yeah. I'd
1: have,
0: I would have been really concerned if he had just been like cracking a smile, like "Hey guys, I'm so glad you're back."
1: I don't know. T- Tetmanib has gained enough levels during this interim that he can cast uh, sending now. So who mm-hmm. knows how many levels everyone else over here has gained?
3: Yeah, but he spends his time just like chilling in the necropolis, so he's
2: probably fighting. I mean, all kinds until of this, this ch- giant flying pyramid showed up, there was the positive call pulse that put down all the undead. Yeah. So the dead city was not this huge giant threat anymore so you think he would have loosened up a little
3: (laughs) I figure he's going in there to try to get rid of all the people smuggling that's what I assumed
4: well and then Citra fell out of
0: the sky well okay we're getting out of ourselves but we have gotten the lowdown (laughs) we we decided to go up there and uh, quote unquote surrender because that seemed like the sensible thing to do Nah. Uh, some potions were imbibed. Some winged boots were used. Some innate flying abilities were some innately spells were used. Cast. <laughs> spells were cast that involved overland flight. Uh-huh. And uh, we shot into the sky dramatically. There was probably some really cool music, um, only to find there were guards at the door that told us they'll take us to their leader if, if we, we threw down naked. all of our stuff.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's no, not that you. wasn't
0: going to happen. Which we were all just like, <laughs> <laughs>
2: No. <laughs> no.
1: Yep. Yeah, You're confronted by the voices of the sun. Uh,
4: what if somebody does... Are there any groups that actually do that?
1: I can tell you what it says if uh, if you choose to.
4: Okay, yeah. Is it, I, we feel, get I murdered? feel like you
0: get executed.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it starts with a sentence, if the PCs are foolish enough to comply. <laughs> 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 the harpies march them into the tomb to hebet crypt. This allows the PCs to bypass several of the traps uh, on the way, but leaves them in a very perilous position in the end. They'll need to face both these undead harpies and their commander at the same time with no gear. Oof. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Alternatively, they can choose to be sacrificed.
0: Wow. Um. What? Who chooses that? <laughs>
4: what a weird ending.
1: <laughs> the end. Weird. And
4: then Hakatep rules then-
1: supreme. Yeah. Looks yeah. like I oh, playing like, okay. Shattered Star. <laughs> weird.
0: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think we made the right move there. Up until the point where uh, we had poor Citra fail the harpies paralytic ability. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yep. the same as the mummies, paralyzed
3: with yep. fear. Yeah, sadly, my unfettered shirt um, does not help me because I was paralyzed.
0: It's, true. it's very sad. And it took you completely out of that fight, which was I, even all worse. I thought you were dead.
3: I legitimately thought I was dead. And well, I was like, okay. thinking in the back of my head, I'm like, what a, like such a crappy way to go because <laughs> I, mean, like, like, yeah. I know that we have the race dead and you guys probably would have brought me back My br- but my brain was just thinking like of all the crap we have been through to just be like boop fall down the sky mm. like <laughs>
4: I was like just oh man there
0: was a part of me that literally was like What if we just, like, said time out and just went down and got her?
4: (laughs) I had two dimension doors. I probably could have. Like, I
0: had that moment where I was like, maybe we just retreat and then heal up and try this again.
2: (laughs) I have a feeling that wouldn't have gone well. Because now that they know that we're in the city, they would have just started attacking. Oh, yeah. And there's no reason
1: that the Voices of the Sun wouldn't have pursued you because they can charge 140 feet per round. Yeah. Yeah. So... You guys would have just had a fight down closer to the ground instead of further up, which wouldn't have yeah, been that bad. may have worked out better for you.
3: Yeah, but we wouldn't have wanted to get people accidentally hurt in the city. Like, we probably wanted to Superman it and keep everything away.
4: Well, it yeah, all exactly. worked out. Yeah. And we got to meet, like, we got to have Quasin and, and Narmer meet, and that was cute.
0: <laughs> yep, so that brings us into episode 156, uh, where we finished the fight with the Harpy, uh, found out Citra was alive, Tepnib went and gave her
1: some healing, You guys triggered the first of what may be mini traps.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, we we quickly learned that this place is going to be trap central.
4: Well, you know. I'm not
3: surprised by that, though.
0: I would have to say, (laughs) if you, for whatever reason, didn't have the ability to fly, and you had the two anti-life shells and that acid fog, and you didn't have any, like, magic or anything, that would have really messed you up.
4: Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yep, yep. And it can. I mean, that's just kind of how it's built there. I do like... I do find the trap ingenious. Oh, just yeah, the mechanics smart. behind it are really good. So, you know, my, uh, my applause to uh, Michael Cortez.
4: <laughs> Although I totally didn't understand that I could have just flown out of it.
2: Yeah, I thought we were in a dome. I just... Yeah, me too.
1: <laughs> it's funny, I, I talked to Rachel about this a little bit afterwards. Like, I thought I gave away the game whenever you identified it, and I specifically said, you know, it's, it's a 10 foot radius, so 10 foot high hemisphere. And then I followed that with immediately stating, the height of this hallway is 20 feet.
2: Yeah, because and I was like, well, cool, they can fly over us. That's yeah, see, something. I thought we yeah. were in a circle and the harpies had clearance to fly so they over can us. So stand above us and stab us or whatever. Yeah. The way I pictured it when you said it was that there
3: was a dome over the two of them, not that there were two little domes on the end.
1: Okay, I can understand where that came from. Now, instead, the easiest way to kind of describe it, there, there are two glyphs, one that's 10 feet in from the entrance and one that's 10 feet in from the exit to this hallway. One of the uh, one of the great things about anti life shell is there's no save. There's no way to resist it. It's just yep. an anti life shell. Mm. So that's
0: why it's super rude.
1: Well, yeah, I think you guys ran into uh, anti life shell once before. Yeah, I with the there was wizard
4: the, or whoever in the uh, scriptorium. In this, in yeah, the, the sightless, sightless sphinx. sphinx. Yeah, because so. Narmer was gonna fly through it, and and the ghost was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So you guys ran into kind of the same problem here, but eventually you managed to figure it out after getting uh, only slightly burned.
0: Yep. yep. And I do find it interesting that it was an acid fog when they're vulnerable to acid.
1: Yeah, I found that kind of intriguing myself. There's not really a reason given for it. Probably because
2: acid fog is one of a f- one of the few spells that'll hang around for several rounds. That'll deal continuous damage. Yeah. There's not like yeah. a fire fog or anything like True. that.
0: Yeah, like yeah. lightning fog or something. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it's also it slows you down. It slows down yeah. your movement. It keeps you from keeps you from being able to just go. Oh, okay, well, I guess I'm trapped inside here, but I can still shoot arrows through this at this other guy. It's like no, it stops arrows.
2: And at this kind of a level of cloud kill, would it the even if it was cast by a high level caster, the save DC is not going to be insane yeah. for a cloud Although kill. Although I'm not
0: going to lie I thought it might have been a cloud kill when you started describing it and I was like oh no.
1: Mm. Yeah I was afraid I was being a little too obvious with them running back inside. Uh, instead I decided to have her draw the bow just to try to make it obvious that oh well she's still going to be a threat to you even. Yeah because I was like why are they the dropping the
2: all their weapons? I really thought they were just going to go grab reinforcements so that maybe That's what there
0: I were some were people going to around the hall.
2: Mm-hmm. You know?
4: So
0: bravo on playing as Rick.
4: <laughs> well she didn't run she flew. Yeah. And I was like, "Huh," but then I was like,
2: "Whatever, it's all good."
1: Yeah, well, I just I, thought she, she was because flying
2: yeah,
4: I just thought her she was flying down so the
1: hallway because
2: it was faster, and she was trying to, zoop zoop, and get reinforcements. But when Masika kept like doing the big boom spell, she stopped. You know what I mean? Yeah. As
1: as a mummified creature, she only has a ten foot movement speed.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. When she's
1: not flying. That's right. So yeah, she's flying all the time if she can.
0: <laughs> no, that's fair. Fair enough. Um, so I have questions about the Harpy because I found the fight with them, I wouldn't say Crazy. frustrating, but just like it felt like I was never going to take them down. How many hit
1: points do they have? I hit them with a the, disintegrate they
2: and they died. They didn't even die. Uh,
1: uh, yeah, each like, of them had 142 hit points. Cool. Good, Grevy. they their
2: undead get like a D10 or a D12 hit die. They're, it's ridiculous. Uh, undead or
1: D8 begin. hit die. Yeah. However, the template, the mummified creature template automatically gives you toughness. And in addition mm. to that undead use their charisma modifier instead of their constitution modifier and they were harpies to start with. Yeah. So they have a decent charisma so they actually just have a ton of hit points just from that. Yeah, undead and on always top have of that the 5 points. damage reduction which Sudi was punching through it on the second attack but every round he was knocking off 5 points of damage yep. from his first attack. Mm.
0: To be fair, I was knocking 5 off them as well, so.
1: Yeah. But adding on to that that they have a uh, evasion so they were taking a lot less damage from the area effects really you guys were doing well like when masika used her positive energy burst thing or her channeled energy also the two separate effects their will saves are kind of crap and their fortitude saves not really anything to write home about because they're harpy rogues
0: yeah (laughs) i
4: know that disintegrate i was like yes and then she was like i'm not dead and i was like wow
0: I know, because I was just like, I was like, man, I just feel like I am doing nothing to these guys, even though I'm wailing on them for like 20, 30 points around.
1: Well, that's the thing is you probably saved Sudi from having to finish that first one, turn around, and then try to beat down this other one for another five rounds. I'm yeah. really
2: tired of flying creatures that sneak attack. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I was gonna gonna say, there's a
1: theme. There's definitely get a, new a theme. a Yeah. I wonder if there was any communication between them on that, or if that or was just... Or is it just a
0: happy accident?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's just a happy accident.
0: I think so too. What do what do parties really hate?
1: Rogues.
3: Except for when one's in their party.
0: It's true. Everybody
1: loves the rogue <laughs> in
3: the
0: party. But I mean but, uh, the fact
1: is is they're like even if they did switch to their composite lombos, they can still do tons of damage and are really accurate with those. So regardless of what weapon they're using, it's just more beneficial to them to use their copeshes because of the sneak attack.
4: At least they weren't trying to like disintegrate us.
0: Yeah, yeah or anything like that. That would've been real sad. But uh, yeah, we entered. Uh, we finished that episode, uh, disabling the trap with the acid fog and the anti-life shells. Uh, going inside, taking two lefts, and ending in a small. I don't. No, we got the feeling it was kind of like a maybe prayer chamber or something like a. Remembrance Chamber? I don't, I don't even know. think go- we got
3: that far, just that this uh, statue kind of gives off kind of an aura. Yeah, it gives
0: off an I wonder off, like, if yeah, it's supposed vibe. to be like
2: an antechamber, like this is where you go and you were going to wait to be led to meet her or something beforehand. Oh, maybe, mm. yeah. Oh,
0: Dana, maybe, yeah. Because yeah. like a statue of her, which is kind of mm-hmm. like unusual. Yep, Heather
1: wins. Yeah,
2: I oh, mean, because nice, it's right off nice. the main it entrance, is- and it's a statue of the person who is over the pyramid. That's it the is the waiting antechamber
1: room. of supplication. Yeah. Wow. Ah, okay. Also,
0: I
2: appreciate that the reward for serving this guy is death. Yeah, that
4: was
1: well, a Yeah. Up. Yeah.
0: I mean, that was the reward I mean, it, for a lot of and people who served yeah, In yeah, ancient I mean, Egypt, it it's, with, it's
1: like, yeah. yeah. It's basically, here is your reward, it's death in an awesome tomb that flies.
0: So yeah. that you can serve your pharaoh in the next life.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but if you really enjoyed serving your pharaoh in this life, maybe you'll still enjoy serving him in the next life.
0: Yeah. But uh, we ended. It's a different
1: culture with a different mentality. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But we
0: had ended with the vibe of another mask vision. Dun dun dun! What a place to have one too. It's like, could you have it in a less convenient place?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a decent number of episodes since you guys had your last one.
4: I feel like it wasn't that long ago. I think it was after you
1: defeated Usarib.
0: No, no, it was after we defeated the the Forgotten Pharaoh. I Feel like we had one before we interviewed Shisasek after we got out.
4: The last one yeah. I remember is the mask took you over and expelled Hakatep from the Forgotten Pharaoh. Yeah. And then you had a vision. And you couldn't tell oh, us about it because that... you were dumb.
1: Oh, well, no. That was just the vision was. of where it went. Yeah. That was just like the five minute. That wasn't a flashback. That was a vision of something concurrently going on. Hmm. So as far as like a flashback thing to previous, I don't think it's been since you guys fought Usurib.
0: Wow. Hmm. Well, mask vision, which I think is good because hopefully we'll learn more about these people that we're trying to stop.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so it's been nearly... Eh, yeah, it's been 10 episodes or so. Hmm.
0: Doesn't feel like it's been that many.
3: It really doesn't. Yeah.
0: Things are go, Things go fast.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, since you fought Usurib, you've finished clearing the Sightless Sphinx and defeated the Forgotten Pharaoh and went and shopped and came back, and now there's laser pyramids.
4: Oh, and yep. also we leveled up to 13th level. We yep. did. We did it's end true.
1: that episode. You'll need it. At 13th level. Actually, I'm curious. Are you guys on track? I have okay. no idea.
2: Last time you checked, you said we were.
1: Uh, That
2: is a question for the GM.
1: The PCs begin this adventure at 13th level. So I guess you guys were ever so slightly behind. Huh, weird. Then you may or may not end this book by 15th level. Whoa. Fancy. We'll go ahead and and do it on the after party here since it timed out. And uh, everyone give me one cool thing that you got from this level.
0: All right, right. I will go first. You go. Because I'm hosting and I can do that. Bye, I'll uh, last. <laughs> so my uh, seventh level of living monolith gives me the ability to summon sphinx At mm-hmm. seventh level a living monolith can call upon the aid of the sphinxes once per day. The living monolith can call a sphinx to his presence and bargain for its services as if using planar ally to call upon an outsider at ninth level. This ability functions as greater planar ally living monolith gets a plus four bonus to diplomacy checks to influence sphinxes.
1: Hmm. I don't know if I am ever going
0: to use that ability. I want to use it like probably once just to say I did. Final but uh, I can make a Sphinx friend. Cool.
1: Yeah. Should be fun. And if you guys get, uh, find I'll yourself a in desperate straits. yeah.
0: Once per day, man. I'll build a Sphinx army.
4: If somebody dies <laughs> in the last book, you just summon Tethysura and somebody just plays Tethysura.
2: <laughs> I don't think she'll be high enough level to really help us out that much.
1: Say, cousin, level she is. Betty Sura. <laughs> You'd be pretty surprised. I think she'd still be a challenge for you guys. Oh, really? <laughs> she is She's ancient nice. and awesome. She's pretty tough.
3: It's her twin, Tethysura. Betty, sir
1: Teddy Ursa, Teddy Ursa that's a
3: Pokemon. <laughs> I, know.
2: I know, I like Betty Sarah That's the better. joke.
0: Goodness. All right. So Heather, what you got?
2: Uh, Masika didn't really get anything this level except for seventh level spells, which is pretty cool. I was kind of perusing them, and there's a spell that's called Sunbeam. That's nor it's only a druid and a shaman spell.
1: Oh yes, Sunbeam is so good.
2: And the really good thing about it is uh, she can summon Beams of Light. An undead creature caught within the beam takes 1d6 points of damage per caster level. And if it's an undead that is specifically harmed by Bright Light, they're just utterly destroyed if they fail their save. Game over. Oh wow, nice. nice. Um... And then Narmer, because of his prankster archetype, I got the scry on Familiar, but he can change what it looks like he's doing when Masika scrys on him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. No one will ever know.
2: It doesn't affect anything else that's around him, but he can make himself look like he's doing something else when she scrys (laughs) on him once a day.
1: Weird. (laughs) Yep. Just like scry on him and it's just him like laying, lounging against the pillow, uh, filing, like look like he's filing his nails, but on his flippers. You're like that doesn't look right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All is like, right,
1: he's like man. Out what hunting is...
3: more scorpions.
1: Yep. <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: Uh, Citra, what did Citra get?
3: Um, Citra didn't really get anything like big and flashy and major, but I did get seven D six sneak attack now. Woo-hoo. Oh yeah. So.
1: Seems unnecessary. It does no. not seem <laughs> unnecessary.
3: I know the kind of monsters. Well, I don't actually have any idea. But uh, if we're going to be gaining three levels in the this pyramid, we are going to be facing some. Interesting stuff, and I would rather have that seventy-six.
0: True, yep, sounds about That's right. That's fair. All right, we skip over Rick, because he doesn't have a game.
1: He doesn't have a character in this game. Hollis. I mean, I have oh, sure, is cool. Kim Habet. Sure, yeah, what she has. What's, what's some Kim cool bet? stuff
2: <laughs> she has? Yeah.
1: Well, how about a number of hit points that puts these harpies to shame?
0: <laughs>
1: oh. Sh- <laughs> oh. <laughs> That
0: that is that is both a tease and something to make us dread fighting. Well, her. she's at
4: the
2: end of the book, we'll have a couple levels. Before. I don't think <laughs> oh, she's <laughs> at the end of the book. I think I, some, the slave yeah, trenches
0: she, are the rest of this book. I feel like this I is just know. a teaser till we get to the end of the book. So yeah, yeah they're using
1: know. her meta knowledge.
2: It's not meta knowledge. It's just we had the whole point of finding Chisisek was figuring out how to bring down the pyramid.
1: Oh, so I was I making I a joke that the name of this book is the Slave Trenches of Akhetep.
2: Well, oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, fine.
1: Not the Goodness. awesome flying pyramid of- No, I, I have a feeling this is
2: act one. And then the rest of the book, the last two thirds of the book are slave trenches of shenanigans town. Mm-hmm. So- yeah. Well, what... Hollis
4: also got seventh level spells, Ooh. which means she finally has access to um, a spell that I got for her like two levels ago. Mage's magnificent mansion, y'all. I Oops. love that spell. <laughs> it's gonna be rad.
0: All right, and I think that brings us to emails. We have four emails to go through. So wait, two of them are emails. Two of them, we had people write physical letters. Letters, y'all.
4: Physical letters? People still do that? Somebody yes, even drew pyramids on the envelopes. That's yep. awesome.
1: Fancy, I'll have to post some of those pictures up on our uh, social medias.
4: I did, I did post them.
1: Exciting.
0: Yes, so our first email comes from Bradley Cooper. Not Whoa. the actor. Oh, from I Alberta, like, wait, Canada. Cooper? I choose <laughs> to
2: believe it is the actor. Oh my gosh.
0: Yes, but uh, Bradley Cooper from Alberta, Canada. Where was Alberta, Canada? The, the Plane of, plane of wait, Air? Wait, we said
3: Plane of Air. Plane of Canada. Air, Canada. Plane
0: of air. Okay, that's right, Canada's Plane of Air. <laughs> All right, so Bradley from somewhere in the Plane of Air.
2: It looks like that a uh, Cloud City from the Super Mario RPG. From- <laughs> <Yeah>. Nice.
0: <laughs> Oh, man. So Bradley writes Hello, all you people.
3: Hello. 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 Hey, brother. Hello.
0: My name is Bradley Cooper, like the actor, but less famous. More <laughs> handsome, probably.
4: <laughs> so you say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Alberta in Canada, and your jokes about Canada are adequate. You may me. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
1: Uh, Why, thank you.
0: I like his I'm writing sorry. style. I've never written a fan mail except it's a school project in elementary when I wrote to Jim Carrey back in '99. So feel free to count yourselves among an elite club.
4: I'm telling you, it's really in Brad fact the I do.
0: I mean, uh, if, yeah. if, if to be honest, Jim Carrey is like one of my favorite actors. So yeah, Jim Carrey's uh, pretty awesome. Jim Carrey's yeah, pretty great. I uh, quite enjoyed him back in the '90s.
4: He tried to save that Sonic movie.
0: He—he—I mean, me tell he you, was the best, was part, the best of part of it. That he was movie. the that, best. That part, Sonic movie down. had
1: no right to be as good as it was. It's still oh, no, wasn't yeah. great, but it was much better than Y'all it should
2: have Y'all saw been. the Sonic movie? I'm just. We did. We, we okay? Did. We watched
0: it for free
1: in to
0: make fun of it. That was the entire purpose.
2: <laughs> we actually went on
3: a double date and saw it.
1: <laughs> sure. Back in the day when we could do double dates.
3: <laughs> I know, right? Goodness. So pre-pandemic.
0: Anyway, Bradley continues. Listening to you folks brings a smile to my face every week. I find oh. myself laughing to your jokes and worrying when you're in battle. Trust me, we worry too. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, See, this the theme last song makes falling. me dance a little when it pops into my ears. It's pretty good.
1: It's a good beat. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you again, Mr. Ryan Mumford. Who is Friend awesome. and a gentleman.
0: Yep. Indeed he is. I can't even count the amount of times I've laughed at Jordan's puns and felt like I was sitting in the same table as you, even when you're not at the same table together like last year.
3: Somebody Thank that you. appreciates puns! Yay! I love how, how long you held your arms up to do that little shit. <laughs> yes, cheer I was holding end. my arms
0: up as soon as as soon as I read out that uh, Jordan's puns, I was like, yes, victory.
3: <laughs> but he had to finish the sentence.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> You all have such wonderful personalities, and I can feel the dedication to your characters and their lives. Your dedication to each role is impressive.
1: Oh, give yourselves a little round of applause. That's very good. Oh,
0: yes. As a Pathfinder GM myself, since before it was Pathfinder, I'm Uh, well-versed in the mm -hmm. rules and really appreciate that Rick is a rule-accurate GM. I find myself smiling and nodding along when he makes rulings or explains game functions or cool spell effects to the team. My weakness is that sometimes I get bogged down in making sure the rules are used correctly and that pulls my brain power away from flowery text and interesting descriptives. I hope one day to be able to describe things as wonderfully and clearly as Rick does. Oh, thank you. Sorry you have trouble taking compliments, so I tried to hide it in a meandering blurb.
4: What you gotta <laughs> do is record yourself giving the description and then edit it.
0: Yeah. So that, helps, <laughs> that helps a lot.
2: <laughs> I don't know. Rick's pretty good even without the editing.
0: It's I have true. To oh, uh, Rick's uh, good live uh, for sure. Uh, That's how you does. for sure do it. He continues, Anyways, keep up the good work. Remember that I'm dancing when your show comes on, and if you're reading this on air,
1: I'm probably crying a little hearing it.
3: Aww. 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 I did not mean to make you cry, but glad that you wrote. Yeah. You know
1: what we need? Find the path handkerchiefs. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, oh. oh, no. Pat- yeah, our next Patreon uh, swag bag has <laughs> little Tyron's Scrap handkerchiefs. Oh.
3: <laughs> no, because the idea of reusing a handkerchief is just disgusting to me. Maybe just get like little tissue things with our logo on it. Those are But
2: you can wash your handkerchief. And
4: That's you don't the blow your nose point. on it, it's
2: for drying your tears.
0: It's for drying your yeah. tears. Yeah. Nobody blows their nose and on And then those you wash it in once. the wash like a normal Hopefully person. Hopefully, tears of yeah. happiness.
3: Yeah, I've seen people use handkerchiefs for more than just dry tears. tears. Well, saying. I'm
4: just saying that's what I think they should be used for, but I don't determine how... We could, people could use the stickers we send for all sorts of weird stuff. We don't know. That is true. We'll include
1: <laughs> a note with the packaging that says, for tears only. <laughs> 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 and then if they listen to our podcast and they're as rules lawyerly as we are, then they'll only use it for tears. <laughs>
4: yeah. That's true, and, yeah. And we'll also include wash after each
0: use. There we yes.
1: go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we'll put a little Narmer on there so it's like Narmer's giving you the instructions
0: nice
1: Bradley signs off
0: thanks for all the friendship by proxy Bradley,
5: Sweet oh, thank, you, Bradley. thank you thank
0: you awesome. thank you Bradley that was a wonderful email
4: yeah
0: all right our next email is from Gun Gunmarshal Bach from Martel in the Mana Wastes
4: okay I was like oh,
5: hey, that bro. sounds <laughs> fantasy AF oh cool
0: yes yes
4: <laughs> Mana Waste my man do you love manways? Yes, the no,
0: I, yeah. I, I appreciate the fact that uh, you gave us the specific location. It's always good to know that people can just cast themselves. It's <laughs> It saves us from having to figure out how many times we put people in the manways.
3: It's all lot. the time. Yep. Not enough.
0: To the wonderful crew of the Find the Path podcast, minus Rick? Question mark. That was fun. Curious. First and foremost, blessed day to y'all.
3: Oh, blessed day, bless day to y'all, y'all. Texas.
0: Blessed day and y'all. Y'all, yep. that's a very Texas thing It's just yep. a
3: southern thing. I don't know if we can just say Texas.
0: I uh, did not ever hear have a blessed day until I got to Texas.
2: Yeah, that's very Texas. And, and I'm from
0: Tennessee, it's, so yeah. I guess. But anyway, from one yokel to another, I do salute your resilience <laughs> at providing the those city slickers with their weekly entertainment by hook or crook, <laughs> even in time of dire needs. Yeah. Yep. And dire times they harsh. were for your southerly neighbors. Heck, yeah, literally sure. froze over. It yes, did. it did. <laughs> okay, come on. This guy's from Texas. Yes. Yeah, he's
2: gotta be from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it was a dark time. It, it was a dark time.
0: <laughs> for days under my triple blankets in a dark and empty city, I did take solace listening to your adventures. Yeah. Time oh. went by faster for me, so thanks. You're, You're welcome. You're welcome. It's good I'm to sure escape to a desert many city. Again, I, I have a feeling this this man is not only from Texas. He's from one of the big cities. Yeah. Uh, I read on the Discord that some of you had damage, but I hope everyone is safe and well now. Yeah, We're we still fine. trying to fix our floors, but, you know.
5: We're safe and together. well. Yeah, we are safe and well. well. Yeah.
0: I could write a few pages of praise to the crew, but all has been said many times before. Y'all great, Enough said.
5: Enough uh, <laughs> said. said.
0: I like that. I Thank love you, the succinctness of it. All right. As for crew questions, I do have a few. Ooh. one which he titles The Old Confused Man Plea. After 37 years GMing and playing various systems, I tend to mix up rule sets quite a lot, especially Pathfinder 1 and 2 and Starfinder. I have a few okay. cheat sheets with the basics on my desk to refresh my mind when it fizzles off. Does this happen to you, and how do you manage mistakes when mistakes are done? No, I'm not a rules encyclopedia like he who must not be named. <laughs> <laughs> Old <Oldemort. laughs> Who can you be talking about?
2: Rick made his own custom rules to tape to his, uh, his DM screen. Fancy GM yeah. screen that his I, wife bought him. <laughs> I figured
1: out which rules that I forgot the most often and just taped all of those. Because it's like, I don't need to know what the break DC is for a door. How often does that come up? But it's on the standard GM screen, so I, I made separate ones. Uh, I am I do fall victim to this as much as anyone else. Uh, for the longest time, I kept tripping up with the can undead be critical or not between 3.0, 3.5 and Pathfinder 1. I still think
2: a, that uh, constructs can't be critical 90% yeah. of the time. It's,
1: I mean, honestly, everyone makes mistakes and don't kick yourself too much. And uh, if a mistake does happen, just roll with it. Uh, either tell everyone, sorry, I made a mistake. And uh, if it didn't cost any character their life, then that should be fine. Uh, if it did, then that's a little bit worse off. But
3: uh. <laughs> at the end of the day, it is still just a
0: game.
1: It is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and using online tools helps a lot. So, like, the fact that we um, we use Hero Lab and uh, Foundry and Roll20, you know, for some of this stuff, helps with some of that because it'll do some of the math and everything for us.
2: But also, you can just quickly Google. Rick's really good about, okay, so I said it worked this way last time, but then I read over the rules more clearly, and this is the way it should actually work. Mm-hmm. And then we do it the correct way from then on.
1: Actually, yeah, going back uh, to episode 155. Like, I'd re oh, examine yeah. the entire debate over whether or not being paralyzed while flying causes penalties. Mm-hmm. And just eventually had to settle on a decision where I don't know whether or not I made the right decision or not with Citra, but I felt like it was the closest to the right decision that I could get.
3: I'm alive,
2: so it was the right decision. Yep. No,
1: I mean, the falling damage I already <laughs> knew. If you have more than 120 hit points, you can't be killed. It was by whether falling.
2: or not you are going to stall and fall that was the real yeah. rule debate. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And trust me, after much research, that is a rule debate that has been going on for over a decade now. And I really wish that someone from a position of greater authority would weigh in on that, but it's a first edition thing, so I imagine we're never going to get an FAQ from JB. Yeah.
2: There's a question for you at PaizoCon, Rick. Make them. Make a definitive answer.
0: <laughs> and record it so that we all know, like, yeah. irrefutably.
1: Next time there's a live PaizoCon, I will do that. I will do that on a Twitch stream from PaizoCon. I will ask Jason <laughs> Bullman to his face.
5: This is the only thing we want to ask you, that. JB. That's
1: it. You owe me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Second
0: question uh, titled optional rule sets. As a PF1 GM, I always grant background skills Mm -hmm. via the optional rules. Recently, I joined a Kingmaker Pathfinder 1 game with the elephant in the room option to incentivize marshals. I don't know what that is.
4: It's a homebrew thing.
0: Is it? Oh, OK,
4: it changes the feet trees and it does, I don't know exactly what it does, but it does a lot of stuff like that.
0: Hmm. It wasn't in the TTRPG, so I don't know. If, uh, I don't know. No,
4: it's not official.
0: Yeah. As a PF2 player of Agents of Edgewatch, the GM granted us the free archetype option with a asterisk asking us to be nice and not power gamey. And digging into it, I really liked how many fun options it opened, especially mm-hmm. options that you would never go through without. I ended up with the Dandy. I now have allowed my Extinction Curse players to do the same, and they quite like it, picking circus archetypes as free. That actually Mm -hmm. fits really well with uh, Extinction Curse. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have optional rule sets that you use often or recommend others to use, enhancing the gameplay without bogging down the game or making things way more complex for less experienced players? Well, I mean, we do use the
1: background skill set. Yeah, great.
3: And I I really enjoyed the background skill set because we didn't have that for the first AP we did. It was a bit frustrating for some of our characters, like what they knew going into the game. Um, so I was really happy that from then on out we had them because it kind of helped flesh out your backstory a bit. So I mm-hmm. really like the background ones.
1: I think uh, I'm pretty sure you would all agree with this. I'm the best optional rules in Pathfinder, even Pathfinder one or two, are the ones that don't necessarily make the characters more powerful but allow the characters to portray things that would make sense, but if they chose to do it in-game with the base mechanics, would weaken them. So the background yeah. skills let you have profession or craft or something that would sense for your character, but you would be wasting a skill point otherwise. And the archetypes let you do a cool thing without eating into the feats that you could be using to use for combat. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yep, yep. Well,
2: and I really like Rick's free trait for a background a backstory because it lets you... Okay. Oh, I've been doing
1: that for so long, I forgot that that is an option. Yeah, that is a that is that home <laughs> rule. Yeah.
2: So it's nice because it's one of those, hey, this character should really have, like, knowledge and ability, or this character should really have this class skill.
1: Would you, do you want to explain that, Heather?
2: What? What the, the special rule is. Oh, yeah, if we write a backstory with at least 500 words, Rick gives us an extra trait. Yeah. So... It's nice because you can find a skill or you can find a trait that gives you a skill or something that isn't a class skill for your class or gives you yeah. a bonus to something mm-hmm. or, you know, like there's a, or it gives you something neat that helps flesh out your character's backstory.
0: Yep. Yep. And it helps Rick because when we start up, he kind of already knows what to expect from our characters and can help do the, the narrative stuff that he's always really good at and getting us all kind of woven in.
1: But on the subject that comes up so often in these emails, it's it's a, it's a carrot. I, I like to offer people the, the carrot versus the stick, especially when it comes to making a character where it's just here's an incentive to provide me a backstory. So you don't feel like it's just a chore. You're actually getting something for it.
4: Although who doesn't like writing backstories? I mean, that's weird. that's
1: fair. One other thing I will mention, and is not an optional role I've ever used, but I know a lot of people make an argument for this is uh, removing certain requirements for feats to make certain builds more viable. Mm. So I've heard a lot of people say that they removed the requirement of combat expertise for getting any of the improved grapple, improved trips, so on and so forth, because it's kind of a feat tax. Uh, the same goes for removing the requirement for point blank shot for precise shot.
4: That might be some of what that elephant in the room stuff does.
1: It might be. And if it is, I can definitely understand going that route, because sometimes the feat tax for things can be difficult. Although, as Ross has proved, combat expertise can actually be very effective. Yeah. Oh,
4: yeah. I learned a lot of defensive skills from Ross when he plays.
1: <laughs> Ross is a very defensive player. There's a reason that he doesn't lose many characters. No, no, he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> He's very defensive.
0: It's true. All right. Uh, question number three, titled, Knowledge is Power? Question mark. As I tend to GM for more experienced players, they often skip knowledge checks, especially in second edition due to action economy. They miss a lot of great information and background on their encounters uh, and how they relate to the story at the end. I tend to do a lot of these kinds of things as a player, as monsters differ greatly between editions, while being mm-hmm. similar, and I mix them up severely. I would love to incentivize players that take the conscious decision of looking for information without slowing down the game or punishing those that don't. Any tips? Yeah. Yeah, I was I was at a panel at PaizoCon a couple years ago, and uh, this kind of a question came up, like, you know, what happens when people start metagaming? And uh, they, they had a really great feedback, and they said, well, just change what the monster looks like, like it's oh, got yeah. the same stats as you know a dragon but describe it as being somewhat different so that people have to make those knowledge checks to try to understand what it is
1: yeah if so it's a metagame it, it, issue it's harder to deal with
0: it is or, a lot harder if they metagame. yeah
2: or describe it as something that sounds a heck of a lot like one monster but it's not that monster you know what i mean yeah. i mean that that's something you know looking at the real world you put two lizards next to each other they're basically the same but somebody who's studied that field can tell you all the actual differences between them mm-hmm. true
1: mm-hmm. iguanas yeah. and
2: chameleons look pretty different
1: you can also take a rules approach to it where um especially if they have a habit of just metagaming uh, or not even necessarily metagaming even if they've run into it previously uh in these last couple of episodes the party ran into these things and went these are mummies they're vulnerable to fire because we know that from previously fighting them but then quickly realized these actually aren't vulnerable to fire Mm-hmm. So if you're in a metagame situation where someone just, if a mummy pops up and they go, oh, yeah, that's a mummy. Everyone get your torches out. And you're like, ha surprise on you. It's a nice mummy. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah.
1: Uh, I would also state on the subject of uh, second edition, if you don't necessarily, it, it does unfortunately not get around the issue that they're not incentivized to do so. However, all recall knowledges are secret checks. And so you can literally just make them for them. And instead yeah, but in to combat, say, it's an
4: action. It's an in action. In combat, it's an it.
1: action. Yeah. And so, in combat, you would just need to find a way to, if you want a way to incentivize them for it, then the only thing I could think would just be to say that if you identify this monster, you might get a plus one. You know, if you make a successful recall knowledge to identify a monster, you get a plus one on your attacks for this one round or for your next attack, or something like that. Yeah, where it provides an incentive. That wouldn't be game breaking either. Yeah. There's
2: a lot of classes.
4: Like, there's a rogue. um, gambit or whatever they call them there's a rogue thing you bracket that I think it's the wit or something where if you make the recall knowledge you get sneak attack like there's a lot of stuff built into their classes I wonder if they're missing it
2: I don't know I just it just seems so weird to me to not want to know yeah
1: (laughs) I was just gonna say unfortunately I have a group that doesn't metagame much so I don't really have a lot of input on this
2: I mean, as far as second edition goes, they could have changed so much about what I'm used to from these monsters that my previous knowledge from first edition might not actually be that useful.
3: We all get together and kind of have like a little chat like, okay, what knowledges do you have? What knowledges do you have? Because we are those people that are very knowledge hungry.
4: We want to know before we walk into the situation. Because
0: you also miss a bunch of lore, too, if you can't make the like knowledge history checks to get the references and things like that. it
3: it really makes me honestly think of the game Rick and I are playing right now we're playing Disco Elysium
5: Mm. and
3: I keep thinking if we hadn't picked the character that like stat block that we did how much cool stuff we would know in this game if we hadn't you know picked kind of the knowledge character yeah
1: and how much stuff are you missing because you don't have the other skills
3: and Mm. so I I, unfortunately I don't know if we I have any real advice on that because I just want to know the things <laughs>
0: yeah So yeah. alright so Bach uh, signs off so thanks for all and keep up the good work time to skedaddle later Yeehaw. oh my god
1: I love that
3: word skedaddle
0: yeah. <laughs>
3: my mom used to use that word all the time
0: thank oh you god. for your
1: service gun marshal
0: <laughs> yes exactly uh, okay so our third email and now we're on to people who sent us actual physical letters awesome First one is from John William from Dayton, Ohio, or Crossing in the Greenbelt. Awesome. Nice. All right, John William writes, Dear Find the Path crew, I hope you all are staying warm and have access to power with all the frigid weather hitting Texas. This is
4: from February.
2: (laughs)
1: We, we are still, if you cannot tell from these, we are still getting through our backlog because when we asked for emails in from everyone, you guys delivered, and we are so still many. getting now through are overloaded. Them.
2: If you have sent us an email, eventually we oh, will yeah, get them. Oh, keep sending them to us. Yes, please keep sending. Yes,
5: yes We will get sending. to them.
2: Over,
3: overwhelmed with them or not, we love having them. We love and, hearing and from you. And then you'll
2: please
1: be pleasantly surprised. Them. Those are fun
4: when we yeah. read
2: them. so Yeah,
4: real live letter, rad.
1: Yeah, this was rad. I want to wait until we get to like the end of book six and then we have to dedicate an entire like three hour episode to reading nothing but all of the mummy's masking notes. Oh, just knows. to finish <laughs> it off. <all. laughs> we'll do a oh, live man. Twitch stream. Just wait yeah, for it. Yeah,
4: there you go. Oh, that'll be fun.
1: <laughs> yep. John William continues.
0: First off, I want to thank you for putting on a magnificent podcast. Aww, Your adventures thank you. in Osirian, Ustalav, and Chelyax have been a welcome reprieve from the humdrum of work and the uncertainty of life. hmm mm. I have recently been forced to stop gaming with my friends due to life oh. circumstances Aww. and your camaraderie and storytelling in your various adventures have filled that void left by not gaming anymore. Well, thank That's you. sad.
1: I mean, well, I'm glad yeah. that we can provide that, uh, that release still. And hopefully yeah. y'all
2: will be able to start gaming again once yeah. life situations calm down. And if right. not, I'll plug the Discord if you want to play by post.
4: Which is a <laughs> yep. lot slower paced.
1: I find life often gets in the way of gaming.
4: Yeah. Mm.
0: Yep, it's true. Mm. John William continues. I also wanted to write in due to Rick's mention of a lack of mail. Also, there (laughs) is a feeling of excitement when you get to open an envelope. Yes. When it's from fans, it is way different than when it's just an ad for some like debt consolidation thing. That's like 99% of my email. Yeah. Yeah. Like 99% of my email is just not my email of my mail is just junk. So these are always real fun to get.
1: Jess and Jordan sent us pictures from the post office when they got those. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty excited.
0: Every time we get something in the post office, I get super giddy. Like, I really enjoy getting stuff. Um, millennials
3: are all going to go back to snail mail. It's going to be great.
0: (laughs) Yes. I know that Jessica and Jordan have GM'd for kids, and I have two young children that seem to be interested in making their own stories. What would you say is a good age to start indoctrinating kids in the wonderful world of Galarian?
2: Like, at birth? Is that as early as they're interested. <laughs> as, yeah, yeah. as early as they're
3: interested. They honestly, do have an alphabet book based on Pathfinder or, you know, adventuring terms, so
2: you could mm-hmm. start with that. Mm.
0: Interesting. G is for grappling hook. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Actually, my, my first thought went to uh, whoever made that pony finder, which is oh, yeah. My there Little Pony go. Pathfinder.
0: Oh. <laughs> okay, I mean, that's not something I would like, but I could see how kids would like that.
1: Well, yeah, but it's, it's a simpler version. There was a... What was that game that came out a while back? Because the, the easiest thing might be to do is to introduce them with a very simple rule system that some you know children pretty much once they're at the age that they won't eat a die.
0: yeah yeah, oh yeah, that's
1: a big one. but there was a there was a game I think it was designed around playing princesses or something like that, but you have multiple stats and then you have uh, like a d12, a D10, a d8, a D6, and like a D4. and then each of your stats instead of having a number is just one of those dice. And so whichever stat is your best, I think you just need to roll a three or lower. So whichever stat is your best, you put your D4 in, and all as long as you don't roll a four, you succeed at whatever you do. And so it teaches them what the dice do. It teaches them the idea of difficulty and success and failure, and a character having a variety of strengths and weaknesses. Uh, if I can figure out what it's called, I'll put it in the show notes. I remember uh, No Direction. I think Param mentioned it. Cool.
0: Yeah, as far as Galarian specific, I'd say at any point that they show the interest in the world specifically, yeah. if you're going to go specifically yeah. for Galarian and they're like they're old enough to kind of understand it. And obviously, you know, there's certain areas of Galarian that are a little more kid friendly and a little more that aren't. Well, so maybe them. don't How have their first them? adventures being Night All, you know. Oh, yeah. Night All is a little dark and gloomy and they like to rit- ritualistically sacrifice people. So don't do that.
2: Hey, don't rag on Night All. No, that's like a legitimate
0: thing they do. That's (laughs) a thing. I got a book on it.
2: It's still a nice place. I don't think that's true. (laughs) Uh,
1: The only other thing that I'll mention, just because uh, it is a very simple rule system. You can set it. It's setting agnostic. uh, And your kids may enjoy it, especially if they are cat fans. I picked it up specifically because I have a group of cat fans. And uh, we may eventually have an opportunity to play this. Ooh. Uh, Be it if we have a find the path retreat. It's a game called Cat by John Wick. I don't know if it's the same John Wick. (laughs) But basically it is you play cats, Oh my God. You have stat blocks for your cat. It is an extraordinarily simple game system, but it's made setting agnostic, so you can just be like, you're a bunch of cats that live in Sandpoint, and there's a goblin somewhere on the loose, and you team up to save your humans from the goblin
4: Yes. <laughs> yes
1: by we being We need cats. to play this
0: like, at once.
2: We need to play this on
4: we a live stream. We should live
0: stream playing
1: this. Like, this we, our fun. next
2: adventure path, everybody's cats. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> just, just extraordinarily short tangent here, it's a surprisingly complex system where it's things like your coat is both your defensive stat Stat, as well as like your attractiveness stat, so like, <laughs> look at me, I'm cute. Your claws are both your attack stat as well as your climbing stat. Your oh, tail, your tail controls your magic powers because cool. you have like magic cat powers, include nice. which are basically things like swishing your tail to convince people to feed you and stuff like that.
4: Okay, but, I'm ready to play this on a live stream for sure. Like but also immediately. Just for
0: fun. Oh my goodness! And
1: it's it is a short. It's available on Drive Through RPG, so it's just called Cat. Uh, Big Book Cat is uh, the cover by John Wick. And I think it's, like, 49 pages or so, and a lot of that's just stuff on, here are stat blocks if you have to fight a dog, here's a stat block if you have to fight a rat, here's how, like, difficulties for jumping from shelf to shelf are, et cetera.
4: Oh, my God. I kind (laughs) of love this. All right.
1: And since it's setting agnostic, you could do something like just saying it's a whole bunch of cats that live around, like, the Pathfinder Lodge in Absalom, and so, like, you know they're getting involved when someone's trying to break into the lodge to steal something or whatever you want to do, oh and they're God. just like, "We'll help."
3: Oh. They've been in Ulthir most yeah. of the time.
1: Uh, oh. They actually can—they actually can travel to dream realms in yeah. their, uh, the setlock. <laughs> oh, nice. nice! And apparently, it can also—it def- can also defend humans from uh, nightmares by fighting them off while the humans sleep. That's so well, awesome. that's well, they have that's to like that real game story. Kevin McAllister when she heard that. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Oh, my God. Why are we playing this immediately?
1: <laughs> find
0: the path is canceled. I finished reading over the rules. Um, <laughs> Next, find the cat. <laughs> find the
1: cat. Welcome to the find the, pe- Pat the cat goodness.
0: podcast. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm so distracted now. Um, okay. all right, John William continues. Final question. Have any of you made a decision as a character that you wish you could have changed? I played a halfling bard in Rise of the Rune Lords, and he died in an insane asylum. Spoiler. I was saddened when my party came across a harpsichord later on. Imagine what could have happened if music was played on it. Hmm. Um, I, I shared most of my stories and my big regrets playing characters. I wish on yours didn't die. How is that a regret though? There's nothing you could do about it.
2: I regret stepping through that door. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I regret not running for my life.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'd say, I think most of our regrets are usually like those moments where like, yeah, characters died and you start dissecting every single yep, action yeah. and round to try to yeah. figure out where you messed up because yeah. somehow it's your fault your character died.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, and so, and sometimes it's just a bad die roll, but there's oh, sometimes yeah. where it is like a collection of if I had done this different, if we hadn't trust callback at any point, if, you know, mm. if we just slapped him in the face when we first met him, uh, <laughs> maybe if I made a couple more sense motive checks. Like, I can think of a couple of them, but they aren't something, like, major. Like, I, I lost my character in carrying Crown. He died for a bit. Then He got better. And that was in large part because Jordan's character was in trouble. And I did what made sense for my character, which was help Jordan's character. Yeah, which was be the Despite hero. the fact that I think if I had done another full attack action, I could have just killed the monster that was grappling him instead of trying to mm. help free him by casting um, Freedom of Movement. Hmm. So it's like, I cast that spell, saved, got Jordan's character out of the grapple, died, and then I think the part I think the next person that attacked the monster and hit it killed it.
0: So I it's just so. like, uh, yeah.
1: If I'd stuck to my plan, if I'd stuck to just fighting, With, without going into major spoilers, I can't really think of uh, of any others.
4: Anyway, I don't know. We're bad at regrets.
1: We live lives free of regret.
0: Yep. John Williams signs off. Keep gaming and thank you for including us in your many adventures. Thank
1: you, John.
2: Thank Thanks, you, John. And thank you for,
1: for joining our adventures. a letter—that's amazing. Yeah.
2: It shall go in the archive. Hmm.
1: I think it was uh, Josh. Signed it, Josh P. Was the first person to uh, to write us a handwritten letter? I think it was. And uh, and TJ also.
0: Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, did they? Oh, I, I literally thought.
1: TJ, TJ sent us the, the box stuff. set that came yeah. with the stuffed uh, Israel. Yeah,
3: that's true. Yep. Oh yeah. Israel message.
0: <laughs> true. All right, our final letter comes from Sam from the Tree City of Missouri, and he drew us a beautiful three pyramid like vista view. With the purple pyramids and some blue you know, blue sky and a little like star nice. and all this stuff on the it's letter like amazing. on the letter itself.
1: Like the pyramids of Giza.
0: Yep. Yes. So yeah. it looks exactly like the pyramids of Giza kind of. Um, no, it's
3: three of uh Hakatep's generals.
0: Now it's three of sure. Hakatep's generals <laughs> trying to kill us, <laughs> but you know. If they
1: if they are on clouds instead of being on sand. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, he did shadows, so like they're on the ground. So yeah.
2: like Tree City, I feel like that's Keonan somewhere. I'm just gonna throw that. I, out there. No, when
1: yeah, when
0: I read that, I was like, okay, this yeah. has got to be somewhere in Keonan. Maybe <laughs> uh,
1: maybe Goldenleaf. Goldenleaf's a nice town in Keonan. Yeah,
5: yeah. Goldenleaf. Goldenleaf sounds good. Kind of, it's
1: like a, a half elf capital of the world, basically. I think it's a. I think it's the one of the few places that majority population is half elf. <laughs> huh.
0: All right, Sam from Goldenleaf writes, "Hello, doorkeepers. More than a year ago now, I was doing an internet search for actual play podcast." You were a little down on the Google search. I'm pleased to say that your internet status has changed. And (laughs) we're doing Mummy's Mask. (laughs) I'm glad our SEO is working. Jess works really hard on that. That's
1: true. We're seeing a steady climb up through the ranks. Keep sending us reviews.
0: Yes. And you (laughs) were doing Mummy's Mask, my least favorite of the APs.
3: Hopefully we have changed your opinion.
1: Hopefully.
0: I played through the first book, and the GM didn't do it the justice your jewel of a GM has. Oh, you're a Thank jewel. You. Worked in some praise in there. Diamond in the rough. I'm at the time really needing to scratch my Pathfinder itch, so I gave it a whirl, and I'm pleased to enjoy your podcast weekly now. Yay! Awesome. Yay! Thank, Thank you. you. There are no bad adventure paths. Just bad GMs. Eh, That's rude. No. Yeah. <laughs>
2: there aren't any bad adventure paths, just not every adventure path is to everyone's taste I think as
1: that it's is like, it's true. True. yeah it's yeah.
2: like the same thing with
3: books not everybody likes the same kind of books, but there is a book out there for you
1: yeah mm-hmm. every yep. adventure path is a little different. There are some that are better than others but, but it's I all think all subjective of them are
0: good. yeah yep. Yep. so Sam continues when you came to the Naga and there was my perception of a strong disagreement between the party, I said to myself, well, there goes the band. The Naga is the Yoko Ono. <laughs> goodness I feel like there was a moment before that whenever we, we had a Yoko Ono kind of moment um, to uh, my that relief was that good, was though. not true and it was then that I've seen the friend dynamics you all share and it, that that was just all in character
5: yeah yep. Mm. Yep.
1: Yeah, I think it's, that's uh, one of our strong suits like we suits. can act you did give me this unholy
0: sort of acting. sometimes <laughs> <Island>. <laughs> in, in, that, in that way that people who've been doing this for too long do it Anyway, Sam Sir. continues. Keep up the good work. I really appreciate your intentional editing skills and keeping it clean and family friendly. Thank as you. a Christian and a dad who has a very impressionable two-year-old Aww. who maybe <laughs> is far smarter than dear old dad, I can listen confidently.
1: Thank you.
2: Yep. Well, good. Yeah, we Glad try. We
0: Smart on you we on knowing your kid will be smarter than you. That's guaranteed.
2: <laughs> that's
4: kids that's just how kids are. We
0: all aspire yeah. like want our kids to be better than we are. So It's that
1: classic quote, you are training your replacement.
3: <laughs> I'm training my niece to be my brother's replacement. There you go.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean she'll be she'll be a future engineer, it'll be great. Yeah, we do try to be as family friendly as possible just because we want to be accessible to as many people Which as
2: possible. Which is hard for me because I swear a lot, a lot, yes. a lot, a lot. As
4: long as your family's like, okay with like murder.
0: It's true. I mean, it is what it is.
2: Yeah. My uh, my friend Brittany, who listens to the podcast, actually told me the other day. She's like, I can tell when Rick edits out your swears, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> It's
0: generally the more trouble we're in, the more swears There's we say. There's a lot of swearing like,
2: yeah. when we're <laughs> close to dying.
0: Yeah, that's just uh that's just life. Got to yep. do what you got to do. My wife, who's not a gamer, often follows along and asks questions of what she missed. Aww. I get the chance to draw closer to her v- v- with the show.
2: That's Aww, really nice. I nice. Like that.
0: The family awesome. that listens together plays Pathfinder.
1: Stay I'll together. add the marriage counseling tag to our. Oh, episodes. yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah, there you go, right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have been a gamer way back to the old red box. Oh, having ooh, yeah. Having the rode the box. wave of the Satanic Panic. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Yeah. Satanic Panic kept me from playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons for, like, I don't know, a good four or five years.
0: I, n- I didn't grow up at all knowing tabletop games because of that whole like mantra of like those games are satan.
2: I just didn't have the right people in my life. Yeah, I didn't meet anybody till high school that introduced me to it. So mm-hmm. I was, yeah. I mean I, I was like still a freshman but still Yeah. As a younger kid, I did not have that stranger things group of like 8-year-olds in the I basement. I know, dang it.
4: I, I know. So <laughs> those
0: kids all the time. But uh, Sam continues I find tabletop games to have a lot of options in both teaching and social dynamics. Mm-hmm. It helped me through my younger years. How would you use the game as a teaching system? What difficulties would you come across in doing so?
2: I'm going to defer to the teachers. There's a, there is a
4: thing out there called Classcraft that builds on a lot of uh, tabletop principles. It's very cool. Yeah, I mean, i run a club for it, but I feel like the pieces you can really teach well with D&D or with Pathfinder is math, obviously, um, yeah. but also a lot of like social emotional skills, like mm-hmm. um, how to interact with people and talk and, and you how know, to handle when things someone. don't go
0: your way. Like, that's a thing. Yeah, a lot still. of that kind of stuff.
4: There's You can use a, a lot of critical thinking
3: skills, like, you know, hey, this puzzles. is a place you need to get into. How are you going to go about it? You know, they can come up with a hundred different options. Characterization, I think, is one of the biggest things. Because I, I used to use um, it as, like, activities with character creation. You know, like, if you want your character to have these traits, how are you going to portray that sort of yeah. thing? Um, which kind of ties in with the social-emotional learning part of it. It's like, you, you need to to know all this. I, I I could go on for hours, so I'm going to leave it at that.
4: I legit taught a creative writing class one of the last years that I taught in the classroom. And I proje- I gave them a copy of one of my characters' backstories and then had them create their own characters not with rules, but I had them write their own backstory for their character and I used yep. mine as a model. Yeah, I did something similar when I was in the classroom too. Yeah.
5: Yeah. I mean, I mean, if, I if, mean you, if you I mean, want I'm-
4: Rachel
3: to get on her soapbox, I've done it a few times in previous you
4: know after parties and whatnot so i mean you could go full on like i'm a history teacher i'm gonna set a game in the french revolution they here are your characters with their stats they have to navigate these different pieces like they're all peasants or they're all whatever's or they're all this and that like there's a lot of things you could do with it honestly you're gonna run into the issue like that in the u.s of like how does you make sure that they can pass the standardized test you know that kind of stuff
0: but uh very fun what they said <laughs> I, I, I have very little to add to that because they do—they did a much better job, and they're actually s- certified to say such t- such things.
3: <laughs> I am indeed.
0: All right, Sam writes <laughs> off, uh, signs off. I hope I was the first to write you a physical letter.
3: Weren't the first, but I think what third?
4: Yeah,
0: or yeah, like maybe, third, maybe person third. That's ever done it. Top five, top five. Yeah, yeah, top, top five. five, yeah. yeah.
2: We like getting physical letters. It's very, it's like, like Jordan said, it makes us very giddy. It's like retro yes. chic. Yeah.
0: Even, even <laughs> though I, I might stumble over reading some of them and I'm no, nobody to judge because my handwriting is unreadable. It's all right. Just hand it to the teacher unreadable. in the next
2: room. No, I purposely didn't. I wanted him to read.
0: She wanted For to watch me struggle. There was one time where did. I had
2: to look over <laughs> Jordan's character sheet to try to figure out if his character had something and I couldn't read like any of it. I was just like... <laughs> yeah. Oh, the incense. Y'all thought it said something else.
4: Oh, yeah. Or something. Yeah, Yeah, the
0: Sudi's character sheet. Uh (laughs) Anyway, he signs off with a postscript. I would like to see what actors would play major NPCs, starting with Old Mage Jatembe. Yes.
2: We are almost out of deities, I believe. Maybe that's
0: next. Yeah, we might move on
1: to
3: NPCs next.
0: Maybe. Maybe. But thank you, Sam, for writing in.
1: Yes. And for providing us a segue. And that's a nice segue to our casting. casting. Casting the gods.
0: Don't we literally right, have like two left? I need
1: you to roll a d1. I rolled
0: I guess a 1 because it's just a line.
1: Yep. <laughs> All right. So today we'll be casting Hey Feng, the Duke <gasps> of Thunder. I nice. love Hey
5: Feng.
1: Hey Feng, the Tengu god of storms is an unpre- is as unpredictable as the sea, as destructive as a hurricane and more often than not as drunk and foul-mouthed as the sailors who pray to him. Impulsive and passionate, his heart moves between joy and sorrow and anger in the time it takes for him to finish his cup. Though, whatever his mood, he rarely feels it lightly. He may be so moved by a fisherman's prayer that he blesses her with a catch large enough to feed her village, while later unleashing torrential waves against that same village for a slight. His unpredictability leads to the rest of the heavenly court to regard him as troublesome, and mortals to view him with a wary respect. Although the Duke of Thunder is surprisingly eloquent when the mood strikes, Heifeng has a keen distaste for etiquette and sophistication. He loves street fairs, festivals, and the raucous celebrations where mortals gather. To the Duke of Thunder, an unpolished street performer on a busy intersection is a more vibrant show than the finest theater could provide.
3: I really had one actor pop into my head right now.
4: I did too.
1: He's
0: a bird. Yep, he's a bird man.
4: I'm going with the one I thought of first, and that's where I'm at.
0: Ooh, yeah, I'm, I'm going is... to go
3: with my number one choice, so if nobody's got one, I really want to go. I'm going to go with a weird one. Okay, go it. You
5: Jordan.
0: always go with a weird one. All right, so first off, I always go with the weird one. Um, I've been on a real nostalgia kick, and I've been uh, re-watching um, like Family Guy and American Dad and Seth MacFarlane stuff, and uh, I did not re- I, forget, I forget how much range Seth MacFarlane has between like doing a lot of comedy stuff and doing like some serious stuff. Um, no. with some of his stuff. <laughs> uh, weirdly, I think he would actually do a pretty good job no. at being a little all over the place because his <laughs> characters are all over the place.
3: I like him, but I hate all of those shows. I no, know.
0: yeah. <laughs> Fire. Jess doesn't like him either.
3: All right, who's
2: next? Heather. I'm gonna go with Jackie Chan. <laughs> <It's
0: fun. laughs> okay. when, Rick started,
2: when Rick started talking about like the you know drunken stuff at that, that movie that I can't remember the name of it where he played the drunken master drunken it's master, called drunken oh. master yeah isn't it And there's the white haired witch is also in that movie yeah, yeah. Oh, okay it's yeah. another one of those
1: uh, white boy learns martial arts
2: yeah. <laughs> uh that, that one also
1: had um that one yeah that yeah. one also had jet lee who was great
2: but yeah for some reason jackie chan just burst into my head and that's who i'm going <laughs> with <laughs> mm. rick started talking and that was just immediate so the jackie chan kingdom. y'all
1: forbidden kingdom yes
2: that makes more sense yes all right rachel let's
1: see all if right, you steal mine rachel.
2: dude i went for ron
3: perlman okay you didn't because Ron Perlman, the okay. moment he said foul mouthed, I was like, "Who do I know that is charismatic but foul mouthed?" Uh, you know, other than like Samuel L. Jackson, who would also be a good choice. But Ron freaking Perlman, he just like he's got a swagger that I think would fit like a weird Tingu like personality, and just I
0: just he's also weird enough Ron that he Perlman. would like really get into he it would. too. And
3: he's all about the prosthetics. I mean, he was on that Beauty and the Beast show way back in the day, and he's freaking Hellboy.
0: He he actually does those prosthetics for like Make a and like when he goes and visits yeah. hospitals and stuff, he puts full Hellboy makeup on.
4: Ron, I Perlman. mean, I, I, I hear that. you, but I I like my choice better. So okay, we'll wait till we get to me. It it's
0: well, I mean, think? it's Rick's turn. No, Gosh. it's me now. yep
1: Rick. All right, I'm gonna go. Funny enough, I thought it was an out there choice, but it seems almost more traditional now. Uh, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure we haven't cast him, and I'm amazed that we haven't. I was gonna go for Daniel Day Kim. The guy has oh. an amazing range. <laughs> yeah, he can play very boisterous, very intimidating. Kind of off the wall. Of course, most people think about his movie roles. He was also Johnny Gat in the Saints Row series. Oh, so if you want something okay. like over the top and uh, uh, profanity laden, he can deliver. And Daniel Day Kim is just a national treasure.
3: He's pretty awesome.
1: I I love that guy. He is amazing.
3: He was actually one of the best parts
4: of the newer Hellboy. <laughs>
1: yeah, actually, yeah, that's true. That Meliavich, because I just love her. But
4: true. I leaned into pirates, and I chose Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> oh, because his portrayal of Captain Barbosa just feels like hey, thing, Like <laughs> that. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty good.
0: Mm-hmm. That's not I still bad. I like
3: Ron Perlman. Jackie Scott Chan range. Jackie Spellman.
0: Chan. Don't vote for second. Seth, Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I don't Dead think King, I'm going to get on. any votes
0: for that one. So I'm fine with that.
1: Uh, out of the four other options presented to you, Jordan, which one do you like the most?
0: Oh God, that is a hard pick. I grew up on Jackie Chan films, man. Yeah. I got to I got to put it to Jackie Chan because so I nice. love some Jackie Chan. He, yeah,
3: Jackie Chan nice. nice.
2: But as I mean, always, you, you that, can but... go to the Reddit and you can vote. Yep, And true. I think that was our last deity so I don't know Maybe what we'll are do next time. We are officially
0: out of deities from the second edition book including the minor deities.
2: Yes. And you know, we haven't said this said this in a long time, but Rick kind of mentioned reviews. Yeah, iTunes reviews, y'all. That does help okay. move us up in the uh, in the stats. Help other people find
4: us by reviewing yeah. us. Help your fellow man. And like I <laughs> said, I'm just throwing it out there. We haven't <laughs>
2: mentioned it in a long time. Person. So yeah. if you haven't left us an iTunes review, we'd appreciate it. Yep. Yeah. And if you're on an
0: Android phone, leave us a
2: review on
4: whatever, review on whatever you're yeah. using.
0: <laughs>
1: Yeah, by the time that you're listening to this, uh, myself, Rachel, and Jessica have all just recently celebrated a birthday. So if you wanted a yes. birthday present for us, iTunes reviews.
2: Yeah! There you go. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
1: Boom! Goodness. Delivered. I
2: did Excellent. not use my my birthday to manipulate y'all. Just remember that, yet. folk. <laughs> Next year. <laughs> I use my birthday to manipulate quite a bit. But
0: they've all used it, which means you have a couple months before I get to use mine to start guilt tripping you into iTunes reviews. <laughs> mm. Roughly <laughs> yeah. every
1: four months, we'll have a new option. That's yep.
5: so.
0: true. <laughs> all right. And with that, we will let you go. Until Good. next time, stay safe out there, Pathfolk. Keep listening. And until next time, bye, Pathfolk. Good I I like, like, Pathfolk.
4: We're, like, holding them hostage. Like, we'll let you go. Like, now I guess you can be done with I've been in too to many
0: Zoom meetings where it's like, <laughs> okay, I'll let you go now and give you five minutes back. It's like, oh, here's some person. Let's all get back to <laughs>